0: Well, welcome to those of you that are joining us online. It is great to have you with us today. Uh, We pray that this message will be helpful to you. If you're ever in our area, please do come. Check us out. We'd love to meet you. Would we not, church? Why don't we put our hands together and give it up for those that are joining us online. Would somebody get the door? Would somebody... Please get the door. 13 years ago or thereabouts, there was a knock at my door. A friend of mine came in to, in to see me. Uh, she was a pastor's kid, uh backslidden pastor's kid, and I'd met her in a pub, and we just kind of hung out and uh, did all sorts of things, Not, you know, nothing out of the ordinary, just let me be clear, we just, you know, we we kind of hung out, and we just got on with each other, and the funny thing is, when she'd come around and would start talking, the conversation would always turn to God, it would always turn to spiritual matters, and, and I wasn't a Christian, in fact, I knew some Christians, and I'm like, I didn't want to bar a Christian. You know, you're all hypocrites. Well, I'm one too now. We're all hypocrites, but there's, there's always room for one more. But I didn't want anything to do with this this God and this, this Christianity stuff. But there was something in me that kept stirring me to ask questions about God and spiritual matters and those sort of things. So, as it transpired, I I started to kind of just be drawn to what's all this spirit stuff and, and what's all this God stuff. How many know Shine TV? I, I started watching Shine TV. It's a Christian TV channel. And, and as I watched this TV channel, I, I came across some of these... Um, evangelistic crusades, you know, where the evangelists are there and they're they're doing all the thing. And I I got intrigued by this stuff. And, And all of a sudden I was watching this stuff and, you know, people will be getting healed and coming out of wheelchairs and, you know, and like all these people would fall over. And I used to watch this stuff and I'm like, these people are so naive. Like I was so convinced that, you know, that guy coming out of the wheelchair, he's getting paid for that man. Somebody's paying him. Like, like when people, for, they're getting paid. It's a hoax. It's a sham. It's a, it's you know, it's like, how can people be that naive that they would buy into that stuff? Like, like I looked at it, but the more I looked at it, the more I was kind of drawn to it. And I kept watching it. And I was, I was convinced that this whole thing was a hoax. I was convinced that this whole Christianity thing, like you were all idiots. Like, like how would you ever believe this stuff? It was so clear to me that it was a total sham. And so I discovered a couple of weeks later that one of these evangelist guys was coming to Auckland. There was this big crusade. So something in me was like, just go. Just just go and, and, and you'll see that this is just a complete sham. So anyway, long story short, I'm I'm in this crusade meeting in, in Auckland and I'm I'm up in the nosebleed area, man. I'm like about three stories high in the back of the building and I'm just watching all this stuff thinking, how are these people so naive? Anyway, the, sure enough, the, the, the preacher, you know, he's there. He's like, if you've never experienced the power of God, why don't you come down the front? Now, I've seen it all on TV. You know, I know how it works. So I'm thinking, why not? I'll, I'll give it a whirl. This will be, this will be really funny. So anyway, because I'm so far up in the balconies, it takes, I've got to go outside of kind of the, the concourse thing and go down all these stairs outside to then come in the entranceway on the ground floor where he's, where he's doing this altar call. So by the time I get out of my seat and come all the way down, I'm going to get into the ground floor there. I can't even get in the building, man. So many people have come forward. So I'm kind of standing in the concourse, you know, kind of the entrance into where all the seats are. Like, I'm standing there. The preacher's somewhere. I can't even see him, mate. I don't don't even know where he is. And all I just see is all these people. Anyway, this dude, I've seen it on TV. I know how it goes. So he goes, you know, one, two, three... Power! And I'm like, I'm standing there. Nothing happens. I'm like, see? And then I hear this noise. And I'm like, there's people falling over. And I'm standing there. And I kid you not, all of a sudden, something touches me, picks me up. I, I kid you not. Chucks me against the wall. And I collapse in a pile on the floor with all these other people. Like, I can't get up. Like, my legs won't work. I'm like, I'm like groveling on the floor, like climbing up this wall, trying to, trying to get up. I don't know what happened. I couldn't understand it, but I couldn't deny it. I couldn't deny it. I was the biggest skeptic under the sun, but the power of God came and one encounter changed me. It started me on a course of going, you know what? There's more to this than what we see. There is more to God than what we see. And it put in me a hunger and a desire to know God and know everything I can about Him. I would just run after Him. I was like, mate, I don't get it. I need to know you. And this started me on this absolute journey. Now, I know that some of us were like, oh, that's all wacky, you know, you need to stay away from that stuff, you know, it's of the devil, and, and all those sort of things. But and, 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 I, and I get it, we need to test everything by the word, amen? But have you read this word? Like, have you read this word? Have you, have you actually seen some of the encounters that go on in this word? I mean, we've got Moses. I talked to him about the other week. He's in the middle of the desert, and this bush bursts into flames, and God starts speaking to him in a bush. It's pretty weird. He's, he's in a mountain, and, and the glory of God passes before Moses. What about Gideon? Gideon is just about his daily stuff. He's, he's in a wine press. He's hiding from the enemy, just thrashing his wheat. And then all of a sudden, God turns up. The angel of God turns up. Gideon, my mighty man of valor, you're going to save the nation. It's like this book, there's all sorts of, Uzzah, Uzza or Uzziah, whatever his name is. You remember the, 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 the Ark of the Covenant? It's on, it's on the trolley thing, you know, and it starts falling off. And he grabs it. Mate, he's toast. He's chicken. He fried chicken. He's not here anymore. I mean, that was an encounter with God you don't want to have. But, But my point is, there are encounters with God all throughout the Scripture that change people's lives and change their destinies. There is something out there that we don't see. There is more to God than what we realize. Would somebody get the door? Could somebody just get the door? See, we live in this world that is full of information. It is information overload. It is an information highway. I looked it up. 2.5 quintillion bytes of data are created every day. Now, I know you're an educated bunch, and you know what quintillion is. I didn't have a clue. I had to look up what actually is a quintillion. And it is, if we had 2.5 quintillions, it's 2.5 with 30 zeros added onto the end of it. That's how much data is getting pumped around every single day. Google, one search engine, does 40,000 searches every second. 40,000 searches every second. Snapchat users, 530 photos are shared every single minute. Over 4 million YouTube clips are watched every single minute of the day and night. There is just information everywhere. This is a world of data that beckons us, it seeks to lure us into its web. I don't need to know anything, I can just Google it. There's so much info. How could I even keep up with knowing everything? We'll just Google it. We are overloaded with information. We live in a culture, I'd suggest today, that seeks information about God rather than actually seeking to encounter God. We go to all the secondary sources rather than the primary source. I come and hear a sermon, I hear a teaching, I watch a podcast, I I, I go to YouTube, I watch all the clips. I seek out ways to find information about God rather than actually seeking to encounter God. Just the thought. Information's important. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying information isn't important, but not as a substitute to your encounter with God. Not as a substitute to your relationship with God. See, Jesus had the answer for our need for information. He, he says it in John 14. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you all things. He'll bring everything of importance to remembrance. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. Teaching's important. Information's important. Jesus taught. When he was a little kid, where did they find him? They found him in the synagogue teaching. But Jesus did more than just teach. Sure, teaching was part of it, but he did more than that. Regularly, he would draw away and spend time with his father. John 5.19 tells us that Jesus only did what he saw his father do. Everything Jesus did, all his ministry, flowed out of all the encounters he had with his father. So you can't have a relationship with information, friends. You can't have a relationship with teaching. You can't have a relationship with rules. Somewhere in your journey, you need to have an encounter with Jesus. You need to have an encounter with Jesus. Saul, man in the Bible, he knew scripture like nobody else. He knew the Scriptures better than anybody else. He had so much knowledge. He had so much information, but he had never encountered Jesus. And all he was about was hunting down Christians, arresting them, and seeing them put to death. That was was his whole thing. He had all the information. He knew all the stuff. He knew the Scriptures, but he'd never had an encounter with Jesus. But on that road to Damascus that day, All that changed. The power of God came and put him on his butt. You know, he ended up on the deck. He had an encounter with Jesus that changed everything. He went from a Christian hunter to a Christian preacher. He was was preaching the gospel. He was preaching the good news. See, once you encounter Jesus, like really encounter Jesus, once you truly meet him, once you actually enter into a relationship with Jesus, everything changes. Everything changes. See, until you encounter Him, it's just information. It's rituals. It's performance. Obedience. Behaviors. But if you truly encounter Him, It changes everything. Would somebody get the door? It was funny when I was doing this in the other service. There was actually a knock at the door. Somebody was trying to get into that. It wasn't Jesus, but that's all right. He was watching. I don't know where you're at in your journey, friend. Maybe you've heard lots of information. You've heard lots of sermons. But what I want to focus on this morning is simply this. Have you had an encounter with Jesus that's changed your life? Have you met him? Have you experienced his love, his goodness? Do you know his arm around you? Do you know his whisper? Do you know his touch? Do you know him intimately like a friend? Or has it all just become information? I know about him. See, he's not some psychological concept of, you know, positive thinking. He's not a set of rules or beliefs. He's not even a religion. He's real. He's real and you can know him. And his desire is to be part of your life. Part of your life. Not just mine, yours. Part of your whole life. Every aspect of your life. Not just Sundays. Not even just connect groups. No matter how good they are. (laughs) He wants to be part of your life every day. I was catching up with a mate a couple of weeks back having a coffee, and we were at Mitre 10 Cafe. It's, it's my hangout. I go there for coffees because it's a real guy place. You can do all the tools and all that. And um, so we're talking together. Anyway, it was, it was time, time to go. And so as we're leaving, we're walking out of the car park of uh, Mitre 10 there. And mate says to me, you know, as we're walking across the car park, he says, oh, let's pray for each other before, before we go. And I'm like, yeah, sure, man. You know, I'm the pastor. I probably should have suggested that. But he, he, he suggested that. So anyway, we're standing in the middle of the car park at, at Mitre 10 there, and we're praying for each other. And just a point to note, it's always good to pray with your eyes open, not closed. Anyway, as I'm, as I'm praying for him, the power of God hits him. And it's like one of those slow motion things, you know? And like I, I see it hit him. And as he's starting to go backwards, all I'm looking in my head is like, man, he's going to split his head open. Like, this is, like there's no catches. There's no nice music. There's no carpeted floor. I'm just like, I just see this watermelon like, you know, and I'm like, holy. So I just dive and ca- I just get my hand under his head before he hits the ground. This is the middle of the car park. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? Like, get up, man! Like, he's behind this lady's car. She's wanting to get out, you know, and he's he's out. Like, he is out to lunch. Like, I'm like, bro, he won't. He's just he's gone, man. I'm like, and then I'm standing there, and so people are starting to look. Is he okay? Do you need an ambulance? And I'm like, I start laughing. I'm like, Nah, it's just God, you know. It's like, no, we don't. But people think he needs an ambulance. And then I'm looking, and I'm like, He should be getting up. I'm like, Bro, get up. Get. He's he's gone. He's out to lunch, mate. I don't know what God's doing, but he is not home. And so then I'm like, Okay, you need to get up. Like seriously, you need to. Get up. And then I start. I'm like, I don't believe I did. I am your pastor, but this is what I said. I was I was looking at him. And these are the words that came out of my mouth. I was like, God, what are you doing? Like, you don't do this in the car park. You do this in church. And as soon as I said that, I was like, oh, my Lord. Because the Lord says to me, really, Neil? I don't do this out here. I only do it in there. And I was like, man, how much have I unknowingly put God in a box like you just move in church on Sundays. You, you can't do this. I want to tell you, God wants to be involved in your life. Every single day, everywhere you go, even the car parks in Mitre 10. See, Jesus didn't lay down his life so that God would simply be words on a page, theological concepts, more information, or dare I say it, even a Sunday ritual. Jesus didn't give up his life for that. He is alive and his desire is to be active and present in your life. He will turn up in the middle of the day in the most unlikely places if you let him. Maybe you have encountered him. Maybe you do know him intimately. My, my question to you would be, is he Lord of your life? Are you being obedient to what He's asking you to do as He's telling you to do things? Are you stepping out in faith? Where are you live? Where are you using your gifts and your talents to, to bring glory to God? Maybe maybe you're new on the journey. Maybe you are like a, like a very new Christian. You're young in the faith. Then, friend, you do need information. You need guidance. Like connect groups is the best way. Get in a group. Get around like-minded people who will encourage you and, and get alongside you and teach you. It's, it's important. But see, wherever you are in your journey, whatever stage you're at in your journey, There is one principle that applies to every single one of us. See, salvation is only the beginning. Salvation is only the first step. God's desire is that you would seek to know Him more intimately. He wants to have a a deeper relationship with you. A, A scripture we hear so often and I've even used it myself as, you know, the the, the preacher's standing there, and he's like, you know, uh, Jesus stands at the door of your heart and knocks. And if you would open that door and allow him to come in, and, and then we do this salvation prayer, you know it, you've all heard it. I've I've used it myself. I, I get it. I understand it. The only problem with that scripture is that it was never written For non-believers. Jesus never spoke that to non-believers. He spoke that to the church. He spoke that to those that call themselves followers of Jesus. He spoke that to those that call themselves Christians. Behold, Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Would somebody get the door? Would somebody let him in? Would somebody be willing to simply focus their relationship on him? Stop chasing all the information. Stop chasing all the stuff and just chase him. See, if you haven't encountered him, you'll never seek after him. You'll never seek after because it's just information, rules, rituals, Sunday ritual, whatever you want to call it. But he stands at the door and knocks, waiting patiently for someone to let him in. Friends, this isn't a scripture about salvation. We hear it so often, we immediately think salvation. Jesus is not talking to non-Christians. He is speaking to those that call themselves followers of Christ. It has nothing to do with salvation and it has everything to do with a hunger and a desire to know Him and encounter Him more deeply and more intimately. It's the very purpose you were saved. It's the very purpose why God chose you. He chose you to be in relationship with Him. He chose you to be in fellowship with Him. Adam, not Pastor Adam, the original Adam, Adam before the fall. Scripture tells us he, he walked with the Lord in the cool of the day. You know, he, he talked with God, he, he hung out with God. God talked to him about what, I don't know, the kingdom, life, whatever. But God chose you. You didn't choose God, He chose you. Why? Because he wants to have relationship with you. It's not a salvation prayer. It's a life dedicated to God, seeking him, following, spending time with him. Very quiet this morning. Uh, I will. Uh. Jonathan Edwards, a great revivalist preacher and theologian, early 1700s. Like, he got it. He said this. He said, The seeking of the kingdom of God is the chief business of the Christian life. The seeking of the kingdom of God. The seeking of God is the chief business of the Christian life. Jesus stands at the door and knocks. And he says, if you open the door, I'll come in, I'll dine with you. Some some versions say, I'll sup with you. What does he mean? He means he'll come in and fellowship with you. He wants to be involved with you every day, every moment. He wants to hang out with you. He wants to be part of your life. Every situation, every circumstance, every, every mundane thing you do, he still wants to be involved in it. See, Jesus sacrificed his life not so you would be saved, but that you would be restored, friend. That you would be restored. The gospel's not the message of salvation. It's the message of restoration. Restored into a right relationship with God. Restored into relationship with God. We spend so much time celebrating salvation, and we're grateful for it. We're thankful for it. But sometimes we forget what we were saved for. We were saved for to be in a relationship with God, that we can have access to God. Maybe the worship team can come. What could your life look like if you stepped into what you were created for? What would your life look like if you stepped into what you were created for? To simply deepen your relationship with Jesus. Jesus says, if you don't come like little children, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. How do you come? You just come to Him. You just seek Him. You just run after Him. You just desire Him. And it's in that process that your relationship with Him will change. You will be transformed. I don't know how deep or how intimate your relationship with God is. But what I do know is this, is that the cross of Calvary, the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom to enable us to have full access to God. Jesus gave up His life on that cross for us to have fellowship and relationship with God. Would somebody get the door? It's not a message of salvation, friends. It's a message to the church. It's a message to those that call themselves followers of Jesus. Would somebody let them in? Would somebody be willing to go deeper, more intimate? Surrender more of themselves to Him? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. All I want to do this morning, it's real simple, is to draw your attention to the fact that Jesus sacrificed his life for you to be reconciled to God to have a relationship with God more intimately more deeply he continually knocks he's standing at the door right now knocking would you open it would you let it in would you be willing to go deeper with God To be willing to surrender more of your life to Him, to bring Him glory. It's what Jesus died for. This isn't a salvation call. He spoke this to the church. We can wrap it up here. Nice message, pray. And really, really, We just add more information (laughs) to the pile of information that we have. I'm not really about information, in case you hadn't realized. I'm kind of about encounters with God. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If you will open it, I'll come in. He'll come in this morning. His word says it. If you'd be willing to open the door, if you'd be willing to come deeper, if you're willing to trust me more, I'll come in. Many things are going to happen in the years ahead. The thing you need to be rock sure on is your relationship with Jesus. That is going to be the most important thing in the years ahead.